It's the Punk Rock Classrooms Podcast. Punk Rock Collaboration with Dave Burgess. Good morning, good afternoon, happy commute time. I am Mike, one half of Punk Rock Classrooms. And this is Josh Buckley, the other half of Punk Rock Classrooms. We are excited to have you today for a interview episode of Punk Rock Collaboration. And we have Mr. Teach Like a Pirate himself here with us today. Dave Burgess is here. Dave, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Hello. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for having me on the show. I love what you guys do. It's fantastic. And so I'm excited to be here. We are excited yeah. to have you here, man. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're stoked. Yeah, we're stoked to have you on. We you know, had like a good conversation about education and all that good stuff. We're glad you're here. So Dave, if you could do us a favor to kick off the show, um, you want could you uh, give audience who may not know who you are, who, who may not be plugged into to that part of the education world to kind of explain who you are and, and what do you do in education? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm the author of Teach Like a Pirate, the author, co-author of PS for Pirate, Inspirational ABCs for Educators. In addition to that, I am the president of Dave Burgess Consulting Incorporated, which publishes education books. We publish about, I don't know, we're up to about 120 different education books right now. And so uh, we do professional development and lots of publishing. All right. So nice. can I can I ask what took you from what took you in that direction? What made you decide I'm going to jump into to this work. What, what inspired you to kind of do teach like a pirate and then run with that? Yeah. So it all kind of started back when I was teaching in my classroom, I was having some success and working with a fairly tough population and my department chair got put on the professional development committee for the district. And he came and he just asked me, he said, Hey, like I, I just got to put on the committee. How would it be if you put together professional development based on some of that crazy stuff you do down in your room that nobody <laughs> understands, right? And then, but then he said something that changed my life, guys. He said, but you know what? Actually, as I think about it, I don't think you can because I think that your success in the classroom is kind of you, like personality driven. I'm not sure it's something you could teach. And so I kind of got upset by that, took it as mm. a challenge. I signed up and said, I'll, I'll do one of those workshops. So I signed up to do a full day, not an hour workshop, the first <laughs> one. Like I, I, went all, I went all in. Like I signed up to do a full day, six hour workshop for the peers of my district and drove away from that meeting going like, oh my God, what have I just done? And I think there's kind of a lesson in that for people in that like sometimes you have to grasp opportunity when it comes, not when you're prepared. Because if you wait until you're prepared before you take an opportunity, you're probably you're not going to take it. The timing's never going to be right. So I, see, <laughs> I talk to people all the time. They're like, "Oh, but you know, I just you know, I just had a kid. I'm going to wait, or uh, I'm kind of in a new position right now, so I don't want to do this right now." I'm like, "Hey, listen, if the opportunity comes, you got to grasp it. You got to take it, and because uh, there's never going to be perfect timing." I, that's, that's, that's true. totally true, man. We, 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 it's, it's hard to sort of imagine when anything is ever perfect, right? Like, like the, do the stars ever align in a way where you're going to feel a hundred percent like, Oh, no matter what, I'm going to be successful at this. I just don't, I just don't think that exists. So I, so what was that first, what was that first PD about? What did you do for six hours, Dave? What, what was your focus for that? Yeah. So then I, what, 
I mean, I was in a panic to be honest, to be honest <laughs> with you, because I got six hours. That's a long time to fill in front of your peers, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I like, okay, I have to come up with. I, and what I did is I got relentless about writing down everything I did in my classroom that I thought was successful with kids. Mm-hmm. But then that's what I do, right? I had to take that step back further and try to come up with, hey, where do these ideas come from to begin with? You know, yeah. what made me get this idea? And why does this one work? And why doesn't this one work? And it forced me to become much more intentional about my teaching because now I had to quantify it. I had to say, like, okay, wait, yeah. I have to teach this to somebody else. I have to have somebody else replicate the success that I'm having in my classroom in their classroom. And that's why I always tell people, hey, go out and present, sign up to do professional development, whether it's in your school, your system, the state, the nation, whatever it is, because when you have to take what you do and bring it together and say, hey, what is my kind of secret sauce? What is my magic recipe that makes me successful? And then teach that to someone else. It just makes you so much more self-reflective, which is going to be, it's going to help your teaching so much more intentional about what you do. And so it allowed me to take some things, which I was, maybe I was doing uh, kind of hit or miss mm-hmm. and say, like, oh, wait a second. Some of these things that are working, some aren't. I bet there's some sort of pattern here. And so I kind of try to figure out where that all happened. And that's kind of, uh, and, and I wanted to have a theme. I wanted to be able to model and demonstrate what I do in my classroom, in my workshop. I wanted teachers to feel what it was like to be drawn in by these ideas. Because if you think about it, it's actually a lot of pressure. Yeah. If you write up a workshop description, that says that you're going to teach teachers how to create a wildly and outrageously engaging classroom that has students knocking down the walls to get in, which that was the description I wrote up. Well, you better have a pretty damn good workshop, <laughs> right? right? Like if you're going to bill yourself as the engagement guy, you better have a pretty engaging workshop, right? And so uh, I wanted to think, well, pirates appealed to me, okay? Because pirates are unconventional. They're willing to reject the status quo. They're willing to sail into uncharted waters with no guarantee of success. They have a little bit of that punk in them right <laughs> if uh if pirates listen to music it it might just be punk rock it okay? might be it might be it might, <laughs> and so like to me that that's kind of like this these people from outside of the mainstream of society who are trying to kind of kick at the doors and kick at the edges and that's how i saw uh, uh that's how i saw teach like a pirate and what i was doing in my classroom and i think that's how i see things something like punk rock that's how i see like the origins of hip-hop and rap which is my area of focus in music right mm-hmm. and it's from people from the outside kicking at the doors and so uh that's kind of where it all started i came up with the acronym that summer and i uh pulled up the whole the whole uh you know turn the page sideways wrote p-i-r-a-t-e down the page came up with the acronym came up with the whole kind of play on words with the hooks hooking students into what you're doing yeah and that whole spirit of a pirate and came up with a six hour workshop. That is, that's an intense trip, man. Just to make that happen like that. That's cool. That's very cool. Dave, let me ask you a question. So, you know, the things, you know, I've read teach like a pirate. I bought it for my entire staff. You know, we did a book study on a couple of years back. Um, it's one of the books that I still reference to them. I'm like, when they're, they're questioning, like, Oh, I can't get these kids. I'm like, did you go back and teach like a pirate? Cause in the end you got like all of those, like, Here's like 20 something things, you know, go outside, go. Da, da, da. Um, when you were just in your classroom and, the, and you didn't have your book out and you're sitting there doing these things, you know, taking your kids out with, you know, the, with the golf balls. I mean, the, the lunar landing stuff um, and the time machine. Yeah, I remember you saying when I saw you present like some some shed, the kids went in and they acted like they came out of a time machine. When you're doing these things. I mean, we know how it is teachers are always judging each other right like did you ever have your administrators or other teachers like come to you and say hey hey like you what are you doing like you're just trying to have fun with the kids like trying to question you and try to stifle your what you're doing 
Yeah. So in general, I had pretty good support from administrators. And I, I always tell people, because a lot of people are, are worried about what administrators will think about kind of crazy classroom ideas. And what I always tell them is if you think about what a principal has on their plate to worry about on their campus, the idea that you as an innovative and creative teacher who's passionate about what you do, who is creating powerful learning experiences for kids, who has fewer behavior problems reaching the front office because kids actually like to be in your room. The idea that you are gonna show up on their radar as a problem as opposed to a blessing doesn't ring true to me. And I haven't seen that ring true. Now, of course, you'll have some outliers, some, some strange situations maybe with a, with a principal somewhere or something like that. But in general, I've seen great administrative support. Same thing generally with colleagues, but the colleagues thing is a little trickier because like I, I tell this story sometimes where uh, I have this lesson on the Berlin airlift uh, and some other Cold War events where, where people are they're designing planes and, and we kind of reenact the Berlin airlift in class at the end of a 40, it's basically a 45 minute lecture followed up with this airplane activity where we kind of reenact. And the whole time they're flying the planes trying to land into West Berlin, I'm telling like, oh no, you're in communist territory. You got to land over here. And like, we're kind of reinforcing lesson things and that kind of this. And at the end we fly for distance, a little contest before, right, right, right outside before they go, the bell rings. Well, off go these kids, right? And they got their paper airplanes in their hand. Well, what's the first thing that happens? They run into their friends and their friends like, hey, what's up with the paper airplane? Paper airplane? And they're like, oh, we did the Cold War in class. And they're like, are you kidding me? We just did the Cold War. Uh, but we like we, we just did three worksheets on it. Right. And then yeah. my kid says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know because uh, Mr. Burgess takes the, the extra worksheets from your teacher and we make them into paper, airplane, paper. Airplane, <laughs> you know, right? and, and so but then but then that kid goes to the next class and, you know, high school kid, you know, yeah. they're probably going to get in trouble with their airplane where the teacher's going to say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing coming in here with that plane? Well, now, does the kid say. Hey, Mr. Burgess gave a 45 minute lecture on the Berlin airlift and then injected a kinesthetic activity, which had a really strong creative component to it and a little bit of making involved in it, which really re not only reinforced the, co the content of his lecture, but also created a, such a positive learning environment that I can't wait to come back tomorrow and see what we're going to do next. Is that what the kid says? Or no, the they said we made paper airplanes. Uh, the kid says, because uh, we were flying airplanes in Mr. Burgess' class. Right. Uh, right? That's what and so then that teacher, with very little information, right. most of it wrong, it's gonna form some sort of judgment about what's going on in your room. And so right. you have to know, and by the way, if you create a class that is wildly uh, loved by kids, that's not gonna make everybody on your campus happy, right. especially if their class is not. And they're gonna seek reasons for why your class is successful and theirs is not. And most likely they're not gonna seek self-reflective and empowering reasons. And maybe they're gonna be a little judgmental, but you have to have the intestinal fortitude, the personal power, the strength of character to teach in the most powerful way that you can for your kids, even in the possible, if not likely, criticism, face of criticism of some of your peers. I, I think I think you're spot on. Like as a teacher who you know, I, I teach seniors, I teach high school seniors, I teach economics, the dismal science for a reason, right? Like there's a reason we call it that. And I, I try to do the most ridiculous things I can do to sort of like, okay, how do we cement this in? And, you know, we're starting to get close to evaluation season and principals are coming in. And in my econ class, we're watching, uh, he came in and we were watching uh, the battle scene from Man of Steel at the end of Man of Steel when they're fighting because I then had my kids find the multiplier of the damage and graph the, the, what would happen to the economy based on the destruction of, you know, all the buildings, because someone wrote an article about how much destruction would have caused if Metropolis were New York. Right. But my principal comes in when I'm like, okay, so here's where he's flying. Look, he's destroying all these buildings. 
what would that destroy, right? Like, what are we messing? Like, and so he just sees me watching the movie, right? <laughs> so I can get, I know for sure that when a kid walks out and someone goes like, well, what'd you do at Econ today? And they're like, oh, we watched Man of Steel, right? They don't, like, they right. don't, they don't do the part where we, where we had to like, gra- we had to figure out the multiplier for how much damage would have happened and then graphed it and then figured out how much would the government have to spend or cut taxes by to solve that problem, right? That's the part they don't mention in, and, and, in that, that conversation. And, and those kids are going to never forget that lesson. No. They're going to never forget it, right? And that's like one of the key tenets of teaching empire is don't just teach a lesson, create an experience. Lessons are easily forgotten, but experiences live forever. And what you did right there is you created an experience for them. They're going to talk about that. They're going to remember that. And by the way, uh, the, the, of course, the side benefit is is the less the the content that you were trying to deliver is going to be carried right along with that, right? And it's going to be retained. Right. And that's why I tell yeah. them, like, when, when we get to that, like, just remember Superman, guys, or like we do, I do one on Godzilla. And so we talk about, like, we watch parts of Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla, and we do a whole thing on it. And it ends up being like, just remember what happened with Mecha Godzilla. And they're like, oh, yeah, right. Like, they, those are the little pieces they remember as we move forward. So you, you mentioned you've got, you know, over 100 books through DBC that you're putting out. How, like, can you, I mean, like for us, we talk punk rock all the time, right? So DIY is something that we we think is a super important part of a classroom ethic of, of being a teacher of like instilling that in your kids to get them to have ownership. So I want to know, like, look, DBC and putting out a hundred books when you're not some big publisher, that's pretty DIY, Dave. So how did that get started? What What triggered you to decide like, okay, I had success with this. Let's Let's see what else we can do. Yeah, so this is 100% the, the, the uh, do it yourself. This is the, absolutely this. Yeah. And so I, I was speaking at a conference in uh, Washington, D.C., the NCSS conference, and a publisher sat in on my session. And I have been doing this, I have been doing the Teacher Like a Pirate for years, years. People sometimes think, like, oh, like all of a sudden this guy popped up, you know, and his book came out and like <coughs> hit it big or something like that. No, I had I had spoke like five, six years on the conference circle about Teach Like a Pirate beforehand, right? Well, a publisher sat on my session and they came up afterwards, gave me a card and said, Hey, we want to talk to you about doing a book. Uh, we're in town, you're in town, let's meet. So we met in a little coffee shop at the hotel and they offered me a publisher contract right and i went straight up into my hotel room and i googled publishing contracts because i thought she was trying to cheat me right <laughs> and then when i googled them i came up she was not trying to cheat me that's what they look like and to me the only thing missing was a ski mask and a gun i was like wait a second like, you're like i'm gonna write this book and and uh do all the work it, you make how much i make how much it made no sense they wanted to take creative control they want to do all these different things yeah and so we did a ton of research and we're like hey we don't have to sign it used to be that the publishers publishers had leverage because you had to have their their contract in order to get right. into the bookstores but now right, right. hey if your book's on amazon you're for real and anyone could be on amazon so we researched all this stuff and we said we don't have to sign that contract so we formed our own publishing company we published teach like a pirate right off a laptop at the kitchen table right off the kitchen table if you want to take this to a music perspective it's like uh a person comes up with a, a song and like selling uh, cassette tapes out of their trunk right or cds right. out of their trunk right that was me i published my own book i printed my own book and i was just traveling around and speaking and hawking my book like I, basically <laughs> the same thing as a, a as a kid p- with his demo tape right, right. 
was selling tapes out of the trunk. I was selling books at the back of the room everywhere I would speak. And I was, you know, had it up on Amazon and was pushing it. There was no company behind me. I was just tweeting it up and getting in social media and making connections and interacting with people, right? And then it just, we had the good fortune to have it kind of go viral, right? It exploded, it took off. Yeah. And you know, so now like this little book, uh, it was published right here, right off the laptop, you know, and uh, now it's, you know, translated into Korean, two forms of Chinese, Spanish, Russian, uh, and, and we've sold like half a million copies of it from our house. And so it's been this, it was this wild ride, this roller coaster ride. And so other people started to come to us and say, hey, we don't want to sign those contracts either. Like, how, how are you doing this? I would meet, I would meet with them. Listen, we would set up uh, Google Hangouts. I would, I would tell them everything I had done. Here's where I print my books. Here's where I found my editing. Here's where I found my cover design, all these things. Yeah. But there were still things that were holding people back. So finally we decided, hey, you know what? Let's disrupt this industry. When you see an industry that's based on an outdated model, that's mean that, that means it's time for it to be disrupted. And the publishing industry was based on an outdated model with all of the leverage going to the publishers. We said, no, you know what? We're going to start signing these people. We're going to start giving them fair contracts, fair percentages, creative control of their projects, with intellectual property rights they're going to yeah. walk away with, all these kind of things. And then, you know, some of those books started to take off, like the Innovator's Mindset with George Kuro's Kids Deserve yeah. It. You know, all, all these projects started to take off too. ditch that textbook with Matt Miller and all the Alice Keeler books. And then kind of the whole thing flipped for us. And, you know, now uh, we're not out recruiting for books as much anymore, but now we're, you know, feeling an overwhelming number of projects coming into us. Right. Right. So you've, you've got, and, and, and that disrupting the system. So I, that feels very much like what teach like a pirate is right. That, that idea of the system of kids in rows and, a teacher at the front of the room regurgitating the fact that you're going to write down and you're going to answer the question to you. That all seems very, there's a through line for that to me as I, as I see that happening. Where do you see that? I mean, where do you think that came from for you? When you look and you reflect back, you know, Mike and I always talk about like our, our sort of like, you know, we have this internalized defiance or this sort of like, this mentality of like, nah, that's the, you can do something different. And it comes from punk rock. Where do you think it came from for you to just be like, I'm going to upend the table on this. I'm going to do this differently. What do you, what do you think did that for you? Yeah. So I think there's several things that kind of came all in uh, and, and like this perfect mixture, kind of like a you know, lightning in a bottle and a few of them. Uh, so first of all, my background, um, I always tell people like, like, like teach like a pirate. There's not a single education book referenced inside of it. Not mm -hmm. a single one. It's all things from outside of education drawn in, okay? And so you have to live wide and read wide, right? And so it's like my background as a coach, my background as an MC, my background as an entrepreneur, like all these things were kind of brought together. And so, for example, I was um, in the 80s, you know, I, I was a, a start off as a popper, you know, I was a... Uh, so I, I, I didn't roll, I didn't spin around on the ground, couldn't do that, right? But I was, a, I was a popper and then became a disc jockey, a DJ. We had a DJ crew in high school called the Click Crew, uh, C-L-I-Q-U-E, the Click Crew, and then became an MC, right? And so I was part of kind of that, uh, you know, so I'm a suburban white kid as part of hip, hip hop culture. And there's kind of a subversive element to that, right? And then also I was very much into entrepreneurship. And so most of my reading outside of, uh, you know, my majors and things in school like that was entrepreneurship, marketing, sales, success literature. Yeah. And people who are interested in doing things outside of the mainstream. So I was a very strong and big reader of entrepreneurship books. And so between that whole uh, kind of little rebellious side of the rap and hip hop and some of the entrepreneurship. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that would, I used to, Balboa Park. 
I used to dance uh, with a hat in front of me for a while, a part of my life, right? Nice. Um, I've been in, I've done, I've just jockey house parties. Um, and, you know, so I have all these kind of weird uh, array of skills and things which all kind of came together. I'm a magician. I work part-time as a magician. And so, you know, I have that kind of stand-up ability to stand in front of an audience and entertain as well in that way. And so all of these weird things kind of came together to create the T-Chuck Pirate style. That's cool. Let me ask you a question. You know, obviously school is a lot different this year, right? We've got some, some in-person, some remote, some, you know, hybrid. Everyone's got masks and they're all this PPE in place. Um, you know, we had a school board meeting last night. Um, our district's solely remote right now. We're, we're looking to start phasing, uh, have a start date after the holidays uh, to bring kids back. And I've always been a big believer of, you know, like when I, when I was in the classroom before I became an administrator, like we were doing things like that. I mean, I would, when I was teaching, um, you know, uh, argumentative writing, we'd set up the room as a courtroom and have debates and all that uh, based on the three little pigs, you know, were they telling the truth? Was the wolf telling the truth? So I've always been a big believer, like getting up, moving around, doing things. Right now, it looks like teachers are kind of limited. You can't have the kids getting that close. You know, even our board said last night, you know, we're going to have to go back to all straight rows, six feet apart. Like there's not going to be like, you know, true collaboration like we're used to for right now. You know, what, what could you tell teachers though to not like, because I think a lot of them have in their head, like they just have to revert back to this, all right, lecture and, you know, the kids are going to listen. And just because that's, you know, the state we're in, the kids are not going to listen and learn. Like I can't sit there and listen to someone lecture for, for hours. You know, what, what, how can we still put the, the pirate approach into it? Yeah, so there's several things to think about here. First of all, for those that are in a remote dist or a distance setting or having your kids in Zooms and things like that, um, one of the things I've really worked at is develop my skills at being able to, to deliver charisma and energy in a remote virtual setting. I have to do book study meetings with, with teachers who are reading my book and I appear in ed camps. Now, of course, I'm doing virtual keynotes and all those kind of stuff. So I've had to develop a new skill set. There's a new skill set to being an educator in 2020. And part of that, how do you send energy and charisma uh, through a screen? And so I see lots of teachers who are very charismatic in front of a live group of kids. But then as right. soon as they get in front of the flat screen, it's not just the screen that becomes flat, they become flat too and they lose that affect right and so you have to learn how to use a two-dimensional screen in a three-dimensional way and so you know you can move in and out you can use intonation and inflection and go overboard with that stuff right intonation inflection uh gestures now if you're in classroom if you have to have a mask on well a huge percentage of your communication comes through your expressions of your face and now you've lost that so you have to find other ways to be expressive and you have to be bigger with your body more gestures and more like you know kids can they just see that flat you know now when you look at kids in class and you just see these eyeballs staring at you is that kid <laughs> smiling is that kid upset is that kid right. I mean, was that comment sarcastic or was it biting and cutting or we realize oh wait we don't know because we can't see their face right and so right. that it's the same thing true for us as teachers we have to be very careful with that and make sure we're doing a good job of expressing ourselves uh in a positive way but then also i would double down in creativity 
And so now I was, you know, really focused on this idea that not all assignments have to look the same anymore. Okay. And so let's be more concerned with the learning that's taking place and less concerned with how they show it. So maybe now they can't all be in this collaborative group working on this project together, but we can still allow them to be creative and be more expressive with what they're doing in their classroom. So again, be more concerned with learning, less concerned with how they show it. So here's what I want you to know, but now here's a whole menu of different ways that you can demonstrate that knowledge to me. And by the way, if what you wanna do isn't on this menu, come and propose it to me. And by the way, the answer 99 times out of 100 is gonna be yes, right? And so let's try to get more into that creativity. And, uh, and I think that's gonna be something that we can really focus, especially because we have kids in different settings. Some are gonna right. be at their homes, some might be in person, some even now. And so let's not get into this whole recipe idea that all the, all the assignments have to look the same. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a, a really good point. This idea of like, and I found myself like we started the year remote. We're now in now in person, and I still like do the giant throw my head back and laugh so people know I'm laughing. Right, like you do that thing when you're in Zoom and you're like, and you're muted most of the time when you're in a in a room full of like people in a meeting. So you have to like do like you're a stage actor, right? And you have to really give that that giant you know, that nod to let people know that like, oh no, I totally, I totally think that was good. That, you know, that was funny. And um, I, I think you're, I think you're spot on with that. And I think giving kids that menu of choices is a, is a really key part of like, how do you know, like, how can you show me? Right. Like in, and I and, think too, yeah. I mean, that's, that's always been our philosophy. You always should be given kids choices to assess how they know something. And, you know, teachers were doing that. And I think just because this is so, this is a new way to teach, you know, and no one was prepared for it. I think, cause even me kind of forgot, like even when I would host my zoom, cause my faculty meetings have always been, you know, I, I take the teach like a pirate, you know, mentality to my faculty meetings, hoping they will take that back to their kids. So I know when we, in March, when I was doing faculty meetings via zoom, I became flat. And I, it was boring. Like I sat there and I just literally was giving information that they could have read in an email going back to the way I never wanted to be, you know, a principal as. So it's like the same thing. It's just, we're on a different, it's a different platform, you know, it's a different stage, you know? So 100%. And that's, and again, that's something that, uh, you know, we have to adjust. We have to adapt. We say uh, we have a growth mindset with our kids, right? Right. And we have to have that we same have it too. mindset ourselves too and realize that all progress is found outside of your comfort zone. And so if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. Well, right now there's a lot of discomfort <laughs> in right. education, but That's we're right. also going to see a lot of growth out of this. We're going to see a lot of things now that teachers learn in this setting which they're going to say, actually, that works really well. And maybe right. coming out of the pandemic, they're going to say, oh, you know what? Um, I'm going to take some of these things that I was doing before that were very successful, but now I have some new skills. I have some new strategies, yeah. which I've learned from this new from teaching during this pandemic that I think I might want to incorporate to what I do uh, even coming out of the pandemic. So I think, we're, and we have teachers who maybe hadn't embraced much ed tech before. Now they've been forced to dis right. disruption to embrace right. ed tech, right? And they're going to say, oh, Actually, I see how this could work for me uh, once we're past this. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, Dave, what's what's up next for for DBC? What's up next for you? What's what's like on? I mean, this is a you've been talking about like you, you mentioned like everything sort of remote right now. Like you're doing keynote speaking virtually. Like, what's the 
you know, what's on the horizon for DBC, for Dave Burgess, for Teach Like a Pirate? What do you, what do you got going on? Yeah, so, you know, we've had to make some changes and adjustments, and we've tried to, of course, we've moved our presentations to virtual. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to do more in spaces like uh, uh, weekly Facebook Lives of professional development, free for teachers, and doing some more stuff with Facebook and all that. Um, and, uh, and then, and of course, it's influencing some of the projects that we're choosing to bring forward as well. And uh, on the horizon, so uh, I might be going your route. I might be starting a podcast coming up soon here. And so I've been thinking about it for a long, long time. And I'm kind of excited right now about tackling possibly a podcast moving forward. Awesome. Awesome. Podcast like a yeah. pirate, man. That's, <laughs> I, 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 that's, that's fantastic. I, so um, I like with this change and you'd mentioned it. So how are you, as you're connecting with, with, with educators virtually, how, what do you boil down? I mean, you've just mentioned this like this, you got, you've got to do this new skill, but how are you translating sort of this ideology, this philosophy um, virtually? How does that work for you? Be like, I, we're in this meeting right now and I can tell that if you were in a room, you'd be moving everywhere, right? Like you're <laughs> like, I'd, so I can feel that energy um, right here. And I feel the same way. I'm, I think I do laps around my classroom the entire time, right? Like I have a racetrack so I can, I can walk around. So how do, how do you contain that? And how do you, how do you, you know, how are you handling being virtual when you don't, you don't strike me as the, as the most, like, this is I, being in this box is a good place for me, you know? Well, you know, I'm just trying to embrace doing that as best I can get better and better at it. Get, again, more using that two dimensional screen in a three dimensional way. Um, and, you know, if I do an hour keynote right now, uh, it's just me. I, I don't even use any slides. I do an hour, an hour keynote. And at the end of it, because I'll tell people sometimes they'll do a question answer at the end and they'll say, listen, uh, we've been told that there's no don't even don't even try to talk more than five minutes to a group of kids on Zoom right now. OK. And I'll say, well, you realize I just talked to you for 60 minutes. Uh, and what did you guys think? And they'll be like, it felt like three minutes, you know? And so I do think you can be charismatic in this format, but then I do all think you also have to uh, embrace kind of that spirit of innovation, creativity, and try to find new ways to reach kids, try to find some asynchronous ways to do that. Uh, another great advantage right now that you can tap into is we have a lot of kids in our classroom who in school, uh, they're not the hand raisers and the blurter outers of answers, right? right? Those are our extroverts and those are our fast processors, our class clowns and people like this, right? But there's a whole group of kids who are either introverts, who are maybe a little, or a little slower to process, or maybe have some anxiety around speaking out loud in front of their peers in class and injecting themselves in a conversation, right? And they have tons to say. They have unbelievable contributions that they can make, but in a classroom environment, often they kind of get trampled. But now we have ways that we can empower all voices in our classroom. And through technology, we can have them contribute and collaborate and connect without having to have that anxiety, without having to be that fast processor, without having to be that extrovert. And so I think there's uh, some some real... Um, positive things that could come out for some kids out of this, this kind of new setting too. Oh, I mean, definitely. I've seen my teachers have said that like kids, you know, that we never try to, you know, stereotype or judge the kids, you know, or have the pre pre um, notions of them before they come to us. But like teachers have said like, man, this kid last year who the whole school knows that everyone knows, you know, Johnny, <laughs> um, you know, but on, on zoom, 
they're just, they sit there quietly and they listen because it's a different, you know, it's a different, um, wow, Jesus, what's the word? <laughs> environment? En- environment, <laughs> thank you, environment form. But then you've got the kids, then you've got the kids who never would say a word. They sat in the bag praying they don't get called on. And they're some of the most vocal taking charge and taking the lead of the class. And it's, you know, I look at my own son, he's remote and he's having the best He's, he's extreme ADHD, like on a, a, a scale of 15 traits. He's got 13 of them. He, you know, every year we would get the calls from the teacher like, oh, I know he's good, but the behavior gets in the way. He blurts out like you know, all these things, you know, he won't sit still. It's like, yeah, okay, well, we know, like we've, we've had him for 11 years with us. Like it's not news to us, <laughs> um, you know, but now, you know, he, when it's time to log in, he sits down and he stays focused on his skill. He'll sit there and he takes it all in. Like we don't even need to help him anymore. It's like, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because I've seen some people say like, you know, how are kids going to possibly be able to connect and, and to, uh, you know, navigate this virtual space in this technological space for school. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's how they were connecting before. Right. Yeah. A, this, this is closer maybe to how they normally interact and connect with their friends than even regular school is, you know? I'm gonna host my class on Snapchat. That's gonna be my next like TikTok. And we'll just, right. that's how I'll do all my well, lectures from like now 40 on. Second, <laughs> 40 yeah. second TikTok clips. You know, and it's true. And, I, and I've told this to our staff. I put it, this tweeted out. Like, I mean, other people have tweeted this out too. Like kids are more adaptable and resilient than than adults give them the credit to. Because we're, we just, we just started quarter two in my district this, this week. So we're 25% of the year done this is school for the kids at this point. Like this is like, they're used to like, this is how they're going to learn. Like, and I think it's just the adults who have been in their classrooms for 10, 15, 20 years. It's to get that mind shift, you know, get a growth mindset that they need to just tweak things for the new stage around. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, you talk to educators right now that are on say uh, social media, like Twitter, things like that. Say like, Hey, who are some of your closest connections, best friends in education? And where did you meet them? How did you connect with them? Uh, Well, you know where it it was probably online. It was probably on Twitter. It was probably in their professional learning network. It was, they met up in a Twitter chat and liked what each other were talking about and got further connected. And so these connections are happening all the time. So this, this is not some entirely unique situation that we would connect and build relationships in a social space. Right. Right. Um, and, And certainly our kids are doing it all the time. Where where do where my children meet some of their best friends? Well, they meet them in social spaces on in uh, virtually. Right, that's crazy. That's, that's like Mike well, and I have never met in person. We've people, ne- perfect example. We've never. never been in the same like city at the same like we like we've uh, this is it. Remote is how we've done this. Even before COVID, we remote was cool before. <laughs> we were zooming before everyone was zooming, you know. Right. <laughs> but like it's way but, before it was cool, right. right? But it's funny. My son, you know, we moved over the summer. And so he, there's a, there's a kid um, who's in a, he's a sixth grader. So there's a, you know, different teachers. There's a kid who's in a lot of his classes and he was remote too, you know? So I remember seeing him day one because I was helping him log in. And we just found out like a month ago, he literally lives like four houses down from us. Like we had no idea. Like one day they were outside riding bikes and he's like, Hey, you're Evan. He's like, you're Chris. We're in language arts and science socially <laughs> together. And it's like, that's the thing they met, you know, met on the screen first and now yeah, riding yeah. bikes. 
Well, talk talk to people who are uh, single right now, maybe newly single, whatever that. Right. You know, where, where are you making? Where are they making their right. dating? Where right. are they like, this whole idea that we can't form relationships in an online space uh, is just doesn't not ring true to modern society. Right. 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 So, Dave, it's the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast, and it Wait, would. I, oh, I got, yeah, a, got, I got a question. Okay. So I just saw this go out. You know, my school's teamed up with Nick and Teacher Fit. You know, um, and I just saw on Instagram it kind of oh, yeah, came right. out of it came out of nowhere. I see you know the the turkey trot, and then I see the DBC logo on sitting there with it. Like so, so what can you? Is this? I'm assuming it's kind of like when he did the um, the 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 fun run that two hour run back in June. Um, is this just like a turkey trot for educators and DBC's helping sponsor, or what's what, what what's going on with it? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's uh, Teacher Fit is doing it. And um, it's the end of November, I think the 26th and the 28th, basically Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. It's all virtual. You can do it anywhere you want to. And you just track it on whatever, you know, app that you use to uh, track your fitness on. And uh, anybody can sign up. And I mean, all races just in general, I mean, almost all races, face-to-face races have been canceled. Right. In the running community. And so, but many of them have become virtual. And that's what this is. And so it's a chance to either you sign up for either the 10K or for the half marathon. If you can't run it, walk it, you know, whatever, however you want to do it. And um, yeah, they, they contacted us. They're, they're connected with um, some of our authors, um, Hamish and Jonathan Alzheimer. Right. So, and so, you know, they connect, connected with us and said, hey, uh, would you like to sponsor this thing? And they gave us kind of a number We're like, hey, we'll not only will we sponsor it, We'll double it up. We'll, we'll, we'll do twice that. Nice. And this is a great, this is a great event. And so, yeah, we're proud to be a sponsor of it. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. I, I saw that. This is, you missed the marathon, uh, Mike. So now you can do the half marathon turkey trot, buddy. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I, I may have to, cause yeah, the marathon was supposed to be a couple of weeks ago and would have been number six, but you know, here we go. Yeah. End of November. You got this. Yeah. There we yeah, go. There we go. Um, very cool. All right, Josh. I All right. Go. So it, it, we always ask our guests, we ask him, and it doesn't have to be punk rock just because this is a punk rock classrooms podcast. But Dave, what have you been listening to, man? What's what's been gracing your ears? What's been getting you going? What's the tunes that are are getting Mister Pirate doing his thing? What have you been listening to? Yeah, you know what? So I'll tell you that I tend to uh, I, I'm not so up to date lately on the latest stuff. That's all right. I always I'm going. I still have my crates of records back from the old days, so I'm always digging back into the crates. Um, and so if I'm running, um, I love to throw on public enemy. It's one all of my right. favorites. Nice. Um, you know, so one, one of my favorite albums of all time, take a nation of millions to, uh, I actually had it right here. Let me see if I can have it. There you go. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back. I still have the, uh, the vinyl <laughs> nice. of all these, right? Nice. So I love my public enemy. Um, uh, one of my favorite albums is the black album with Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. I was a huge Run DMC fan back in the days. Back, I remember I came through that era in the '80s, so Run DMC was huge back then. Um, KRS-One, Boogie Down Productions, nice. and all those things. I love rap music that has something to say. Okay, and so my favorite thing is a, a politically conscious rap music, uh, talking about issues. And one of the things about rap is that you have a chance to say so much because it's lyrically dense. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of a lot of music, you know, there's not that many lyrics in a lot of types of music, right? In rap music, one of the key features is that it's lyrically dense. And so you can say so much. If you think about something like Hamilton, even more right. recently, 
Yeah. The reason why Hamilton works with such a complex story on Broadway is because Lin-Manuel had so much opportunity to s tell so much of these storylines because of the density of, of rap music with, with lyrics. And so I love rap music for that reason. And I especially love rap music that's actually talking about issues and politically conscious things. Fantastic. Nice. Very cool. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Thank you for sharing, Dave. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Can you tell the folks where they can find you online, social media, website, all that good stuff? Absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter at Burgess Dave. My name just flipped around to Burgess Dave. Hashtag T-L-A-P or teach like a pirate T-Lap. Um, if you're an Instagram person, DBC underscore I-N-C. I blog at DaveBurgess.com. Turned the blog over recently to people who are sharing remote and distance learning ideas primarily. Uh, but I still blog on there too. And, uh, you know, that T-Lap, it's a community. And that's one of the things that I love about what you guys do. You're creating a community, right? Around this right. podcast, around what you guys yeah. do online. And that's a key feature. I think the same thing is true when you think about, say, something like punk rock, when you think of something about hip hop, all these things. It's about the show. It's about the experience. So it's being on the scene, right? Right, right. And so you, and, and, uh, I always share with people, um, they're, uh, Jerry Garcia, the Grateful Dead, obviously not a punk or a hip hop guy, but uh, <laughs> the Grateful Dead. They had this thing where you know, they had these people that would follow them around, the deadheads. Right. Yeah. And they would go to show after show after show. And Jerry Garcia was asked about these deadheads and these people that followed him. And this is the way that he put it. I think it's very fitting for education. It's fitting for what you guys do and what I do with uh, the T-Lap community. And that is what he said is, you know what? The music is not, it's not the music. What we have done is we have created a place for people to ritualize. We have created a place where some people that are kind of outsiders, who maybe are kind of uh, square pegs in the round hole, <laughs> or maybe a little bit different, uh, maybe a little outside of the mainstream of society. We've created a space where they can all come together and say, oh, I'm not alone. There are other people like me. Right. And I've and they created a space for those people to come together and ritualize. So it wasn't so much the music. It was everything around the music that was important. Right. 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 That's... And so that's what we do is we create a space you know, like, for example, in the TLAP hashtag where, hey, maybe you don't have great professional development in your system. Maybe you don't have teachers that want to try these creative, innovative, little crazy things, things like that. Right. But you can always come there and meet up with people who are like minded, who, uh, you know, where you'll feel you're supported and where you can kind of be validated it's like oh okay i'm not just i'm not just out of my mind there are other people like me and so right. that's what i love with you guys too too is you've created this whole space where like-minded people can gather together and ritualize that's right it's all about yeah, it's true. about that scene like that's what we talk about is by creating that community right like that for us it's like you know make sure your classroom's like a punk show right like build that community in that scene and, and that's that thing that i think that we've seen with teach like a pirate and, and what you've got online and all that. So again, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Uh, yes, we, you, we are uh, excited to, to see what's, you know, what's on the horizon when that, when, when you're getting ready to do that podcast, we'll be subscribing. Oh, yeah. We'll be, we'll be listening in. So uh, good luck on that. And again, thanks so much. And everybody remember that you can find Mike and I on Twitter at punk classrooms. You can find me at Josh R Buckley. You can find Mike at edu chef Earnshaw, all of those, are the same on Instagram because we got lucky. So you can find us all there. And then you can Won the find lottery the, with that. Right. You can find the <laughs> website uh, at uh, punkrockclassrooms.com. We've got the blog, we've got the podcast there, and uh, you can check it all out. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. We'll see yeah. you at, at the show. show.